0: A, 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 a thought that I, I've never really preached on this passage right here um, at all But as I've been studying back through, of course, the last few messages have been in the Gospels there out of Matthew And also out of the Gospel of Luke And in Matthew chapter 11, there's an interesting phrase here There's six places that Jesus mentions here And, and I want to focus in on one And we'll hit five of these places just sort of by way of introduction But I want you to notice in your Bible, I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning But in Matthew chapter 11 In verse number 20, this is the words of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 11 and verse number 20. Then began he, and that's the Lord Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Now that word upbraid literally means to rail. So the Lord Jesus Christ, if you look at this, He begins to rail and upbraid on these cities where He's done many mighty works. Well, why did He do that, Brother How? Because the Bible tells us, because they repented not. There was a lot of works that He had performed, and yet the people did not repent of their sin. They remained unmoved, if you will. They remained indifferent to the cause of Christ. Now look at verse number 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. That's the first place we're going to look at. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. That's the second place. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. That's the third and fourth place we'll look at. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth. And ashes. Now, when they would repent in sackcloth and ashes, you can go uh, to Jonah's day when he preached that short message that 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. The people put dressed up in sackcloth and ashes, which was a picture of mourning and being sorry for their sin. But look at verse 22. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, there's the fifth one we'll look at, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, there's the sixth city that we'll look at this morning, it would have remained unto this day. Now watch the wording in verse 24. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for Thee. Now let's pray. Father, as about in your presence God again this morning, we say thank you for the privilege Lord, just to just to stand here And just to worship you. Lord, just to be involved Lord, to hear the songs of Zion God, thank you. It still does amaze me Lord, what you've done for me personally, what you've done For others, and what you can still Do today. Now Father, I, I need help From another world. I pray God you'd help me To decrease it. Jesus may be increased and lifted up Lord, I confess my faults, my failures Lord, my sin. I pray God that You would be high and lifted up today. I ask Lord That you would have the preeminence. Speak to that heart that's nearest health. There's one listing unsaved, unprepared for eternity. God, may today be that hour of trust in Christ. I pray for that, though. be kicking the can down the road, waiting for a better opportunity. God, I pray that they'd respond by faith today. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Well, we're looking at this text out of Matthew chapter number 11, six particular cities and areas that the Lord Jesus addressed here in Matthew. Chapter number 11 We're going to look at these I'm just going to try to blaze through this As quick as I can He deals with Chorazin first He said there Woe unto the Chorazin Woe unto the Bethsaida Both of these particular cities Were very close to Capernaum Now the main emphasis of the message today Will be on Capernaum Because the Lord Jesus Christ Is addressing that crowd Here in Matthew chapter number 11 But both Chorazin and Bethsaida Was near The northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was in close proximity to Capernaum. So he deals with these two cities. And then he deals with two cities called Tyre and Sidon. You say, "Well, what's important about them? Well, you can go back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 26, chapter 27, and chapter 28. God depicts their demise and their destruction at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, because of their wickedness, because of their sin. Tyre and Sidon were both Phoenician cities that were located on the Mediterranean Sea area and they were pagan. They were wicked they they were un, they were godless if you will and God judged them in a mighty way and he he groups all six of these really together so he deals with Chorazin and Bethsaida the Lord Jesus said "Woe and you know when the Lord says "Woe unto you man you're in trouble Well, why why did he say woe unto them? Well, the answer was found in verse 20 that we read the first verse. Then began he, the Lord Jesus, to upbraid or rail the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why did he do that? Because they repented not of their sins. So he goes after the and he rails on them. He rails on Bethsaida. They are close in proximity to Capernaum. Then he brings up Tyre and Sidon that we find in the Old Testament that was destroyed because they were wicked, they were corrupt, and they were godless. And then we move on over. Notice, if you will, in in verse uh, 23. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Now, Sodom, you can go to Genesis 18 and 19, and you'll read uh, the description of them, and you'll find the destruction of them because of the Sodomites and their wickedness that came up before God. And God destroyed that place in Sodom. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus is telling Capernaum, and he's telling Bethsaida, he's telling Chorazin, and he gives the example of Tyre and Sidon. He said, if the mighty works had been done, that's been done here in Capernaum, if it had been done in Sodom... It would have remained unto this day. What Jesus was saying was this. If Sodom had had the opportunity and the exposure that Capernaum had had, there would have been a different outcome. If I could preach on a thought this morning, it would simply be this. Opportunity and indifference. Opportunity and indifference. The Lord Jesus Christ, basically as you study your Bible, had a home base of Capernaum. There's a lot of things that took place. We're going to look at some of those. Sixteen times you will find the word Capernaum mentioned in your Bible. And it's all found in the Gospel accounts. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, In John, you won't find it anywhere else. It was his home base. That's where he ministered unto the people. There's no less than six miracles that were performed in that place called Capernaum. And yet, in spite of all of those works, they had opportunity. They were indifferent to the opportunities that they had. And they witnessed and they would not repent of their sin. I'm going somewhere with that by the time we get done, but I want you to see the picture of this. He brings up these six places, and Jesus deals with opportunities, and He deals with indifference. We know that He frequented the synagogue, and He would go into Capernaum on multiple uh, accounts and multiple times to, to preach and to teach the Word of God there in the place called Capernaum. We know that Andrew and Peter, that's where their hometown was according to the word of God. We know that Matthew was called from the receipt of custom. They're in a place called Capernaum in that general area in Matthew chapter number 9. Jesus summoned uh, Peter and, and Andrew by the seaside as they were fishing there in Mark chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. But I want you to think for just a moment. and We're going to flip back and I really want you to see this. I want you to see what the people in Capernaum had truly experienced no less than six miracles that Jesus performed. I'm going to flip back just a few pages to Matthew chapter number eight. I'm not going to expound upon these verses; they're pretty uh, self-explanatory. It has to do with some of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ that He performed. Where did He perform these miracles at? All these we're going to look at were performed at Capernaum. Then we're going to come back to Matthew chapter number 11 and wrap this thing up. I don't really have an eloquent outline, but I've got these six miracles that I want us to look at, and I want you to see all that the Lord did and the opportunities that the people had to repent of their sin, yet they remained indifferent To the Lord Jesus Christ. And they did not repent of their sin. Think about this first miracle. In Matthew chapter number 8. We know the Lord Jesus healed a centurion's servant. Notice what the scripture said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum. Notice the destination. Notice the city. Notice the place of the miracle. He entered into Capernaum. There came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marvelled and said to them that followed, "Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great no uh, no so great faith no not in Israel." Now this centurion uh, would have been a Greek. I mean, here he is. He he's not by. He doesn't have a Jewish tradition. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ saw faith in this Gentile more so than what he had seen in the Jewish nation and we get that and Jesus responds he said I've not found so great a faith no not in Israel look at verse 11 and I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven but the children of the kingdom now he's talking about the Jews right here that crowd that rejected him as Messiah as savior of the world he said but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out in outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth verse 13 and Jesus said unto the centurion go thy way and as thou hast believed so it be done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self same hour so here is a centurion servant That is healed from a distance because, listen, doctors today and doctors in that day, they practiced medicine. But all the great physician came on the scene and was asked. And somebody demonstrated faith and said, Lord, I need you to touch my servant. And the Lord Jesus did that at a distance. And from that hour, that man was here. Where did that take place, preacher? In a place called Capernaum. Now notice in verse 14. You'll notice the other miracle that the Lord Jesus performed. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto to them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by uh, Esaias, the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses. I mean, we looked at that first part, he is healed, that centurion servants from a distance. Now he's, he is uh, healed, Peter's mother-in-law, there of that fever that she had, and then there's others that have been brought unto him, wor- where was he at, preacher? He was in Capernaum. No less than six miracles that the Lord Jesus performed. There were more than that, no doubt, because we that's sort of a broad uh, explanation there in verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and, and he healed them. He cast out those unclean spirits. So all this took place in a place where called Capernaum. Flip over in your Bible, if you will, to Mark chapter 2. You'll be familiar with this text. Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 1. We continue on in this area, in this place called Capernaum. Remember, they had opportunities because the Lord Jesus Christ was there ministering. It was his home base. It was his home field. That's where he met the needs of people. Well, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible said, and again, He entered into Capernaum after some days of that first phrase... And again, that means he's been there before. And you can see that account with the harmony of the Gospels in Mark chapter number 1. That he's performed these miracles there in a place called Capernaum. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together. And so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. That still amazes me too. Man, what a message that must have been. I mean, the, 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 the incarnate word, preaching the, the written word that was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God he preached the word unto them in a house, Well, where was that house located preacher? none other than a place called Capernaum and it wasn't just a small crowd that had gathered it wasn't like that he he hid that ministry, there was a great crowd that were gathered around, that witnessed, that had the opportunity, that saw the mighty power and the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ at work for it said in verse 3 and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which is born of four and when they could not come nigh to him for the press. What does that mean, preacher? There were so many people around the house they couldn't get in with that paralytic man. There was one man laying on the bed. There's four men that are carrying him, probably on some kind of bed or a pallet, and trying to get him there. When they got to the press, they didn't turn they hive off and said, Man, they couldn't have been Baptists. The Baptists should have said, Man, we ain't got patience. We ain't got time to do it. It's gonna be too much trouble. Man, let's just go into the house. Let's bring him later. Them fellas couldn't have been baptists because man, they didn't stop. They didn't go to the house. They went on top of the housetop and they began to pull those those tiles back and they got some ropes and they let that man down into the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what happened? Notice what your Bible said in verse number five. When Jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son thy sins be forgiven thee now we know this man was healed he come in a whole lot different than he went out he went out a whole lot different than he came in because look in verse number 12 and immediately he arose who's that that's the man that came in there to cut the even wall I'm going to tell you thank God there's a change that the Lord Jesus Christ Oh, make for every one of us don't you tell me that he don't make a change oh because listen uh, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 17 said therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature all things are passed away behold all things have become new and the Bible didn't say it took a 10 step program didn't say it took a month didn't say you had to go through this that or the other the Bible said and immediately he arose took up the bed and went forth before them all in so much that they were all amazed and glorified God. Say, we never saw it on this fashion. All of them around seeing the power of God. They seen that man lower down. The very one that couldn't do anything when Jesus healed him. Not only did he get up, he carried the bed that they let him down on and went out of the house. Where was that at? That was Capernaum. Capernaum. So he's healed the centurion's Servant at a distance. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. Many have come unto him. He's cast out devils. He's healed many divers, sickness, and diseases. Now he's here this, healed this paralytic man. Well, flip over a couple pages in Mark's gospel to Mark chapter 5. Notice verse uh, number 25. You remember that woman with the issue of blood? Well, where was that at, preacher? That was in a place called Capernaum. Bible said in, in Mark chapter number 5, in verse number... Uh, Let's find Mark. I'm well, in mean Mark six. Yeah, verse twenty five, Mark five twenty five, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years. Now wait a minute, twelve years, she's been in a prison. I mean, she's got this physical issue. She's got this physical ailment for twelve years. Verse twenty six, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, but nothing bettered but rather grew worse. I mean, she wasn't getting any better. She's seeing every doctor she could see. She spent all that she had. I mean, she's got to her wits in. She don't know where else to turn, but she turned to the best one. And that was the great physician. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible said in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And did you get that in verse number 27? She had heard of Jesus. Well, how did she hear of Jesus? Because Jesus, Capernaum was his home base. She probably heard about Peter's mother-in-law probably had heard about that centurion servant. that Oh yeah, he was healed from a distance. Jesus, wouldn't he bear? And the word had spread abroad. She probably heard about that old paralytic guy uh, that had been there in the house. and he They said, man, they, we ain't never seen nothing like it. they let him down uh, on a bed. He couldn't even walk. But man, when Jesus healed him, he got it. Not only did he get up and walk out, but he carried the bed that he laid in on the way out. She had probably heard about that. So she had an opportunity just like ever else did when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes (laughs) I shall be whole well how long did that take preacher look at verse 29 and straightway that you know what straightway and immediately are you find in Mark 2 straightway and immediately the same word is used it's just batchy your eye it's that quick straightway immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? So here is a woman that is, that is healed of this 12-year disease that has wrecked her body. She's went to every physician. She's got to her wits. She spent all that she had, but she got to the one that could solve Her problem because she had heard. She had the opportunity. There was a lot of other sick folk, no doubt in my mind, on that day. But they didn't have the faith. They had the opportunity. But they maybe had indifference. Maybe they didn't have enough faith to trust the Lord. But notice, as you go on, drop down just a little bit to verse number 35. We read about Jairus' daughter. This is where this takes place, preacher. Well, it's right there in Capernaum. Verse 35 of Mark 5. While he yet spake, there came from... The ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. You see, faith is what activates the miracle, by the way. Faith is what's the necessary for salvation for by grace you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God that's Ephesians chapter number 2 you see if you don't want to go to hell one day and you want to go to a place called heaven if you want your sins to be forgiven there's going to have to come a time when you're going to have to exercise that faith not trust in the preacher not trust in the church but you better trust in the Lord Jesus Christ you better believe the word of God that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but the good news is this that Jesus did come he did suffer he did bleed he did die so you could be forgiven given not just some of your sin, part of your sin, but praise the Lord. All of your sin, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. But faith is essential. Faith is necessary. Everybody's got an opportunity today. Some may show indifference. Some may uh, show a lack of concern or care. But everybody's going to have the same opportunity that these folks had in a place called Capernaum. And the Bible said, Here's this man. She's dead. He said, only believe. Verse 37 of Mark 5. And he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult. And them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. Now, it's an important note in verse number 40. When Jesus told them, said, hey, you know, she, she's not, she's just sleeping. They laughed to scorn. What did Jesus do? He kicked that unbelieving crowd out. Amen. Hey, man, You see, God's not going to let the unbelieving crowd see what those that demonstrate faith can see. And I hope that makes sense because that's a principle that is necessary. It's a principle that is true. There's folks that will restrict to the service. There's folks that will restrict what God wants to do by their lack of belief just read Matthew 13 verse 15 and he did not many mighty works there why preacher because of their unbelief but he couldn't heal that girl until he kicked that crowd out but when he put them out of there oh yes sir look at verse 41 and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her telleth the kumai which is being interpreted damsel I say to thee arise and straightway there it is again just bat your eye that quick immediately straightway the damsel arose and walked for she was of the age of 12 years and they were astonished with a great astonishment. So you got a woman with a 12-year issue of blood uh, that was healed. Then you got this 12-year-old little girl that has died, but Jesus raised her to life right here. Where did that take place, preacher? None other than Capernaum. That's five miracles we've looked at. I got one more I just want to show you, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 33. Luke's gospel, chapter 4 and verse number thirty. Well, I want to read verse 31 so you can see it. Luke chapter 4 and verse 31. And came down, this is speaking of Jesus, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. When the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? Now keep in mind, he's in a synagogue. All the Jewish elite would have been there on that day. The people, the Jewish, that was one of the things that they did. They were there at the synagogue as the rabbis would come in. They would teach. Well, here this man, this unclean spirit, comes in and Jesus casts and rebukes this devil. And they all seen it. In other words, they all had the same opportunity to experience the power that Jesus had in his possession. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Capernaum, listen, he said, Woe unto Corazin." He said, Woe unto Bethsaida, and both of those cities were close to the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. talks about Tyre and Sidon, which again, you go to Ezekiel 26, 27, 28. You'll read about their demise. You'll read about their destruction because they were a pagan, a godless society. We read about Sodom here in this text. He refers to Sodom. He said, Listen, if, if, if Sodom had a... He's talking to Capernaum. He said, Capernaum, if if Sodom had the same opportunity that you have had, it would have remained unto this day. Because Capernaum had a great opportunity. It was the home base of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what did they do? What did they do? We understand what they did. They, They had indifference and they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, as I go back to Matthew chapter 10, just a second, I want to read what he told his disciples. Now listen to this. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 14, he said, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Now, what does that mean, preacher? Well, listen, when you go in and you share that gospel and they they, they reject you, I mean, just full out reject you. The blood's not on your hands anymore. You're, you're told to wipe off the dust of your feet and to go on. You've done your, you've done your part. And they hadn't rejected you as the messenger. They have rejected the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what they've done. And he said, look. He said, shake off the dust of your feet. Because look at verse 15. Here he talks about this again. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now let me just let me just throw something out right here because a lot of folks, a lot of folks have made this mistake, and we've heard this. But according to the teachings of Jesus, now I'm not preaching some false doctrine. You've got to take this up with the Bible. Do you get this? We've often said sin is sin in the eyes of the Lord, and for them, you know, that's, a lot of folks, there's no big sins, no little sins. I get all that. But according to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are differences. There, you, you can't explain that any other way than what he's saying, not only here and in other places. I believe there's degrees of punishment. Sure, there will be. To the unbelieving crowd, listen, you die in your sin, you'll go to a place called hell. But God is a God of justice, and oh yeah, justice will prevail. But the Bible said there in verse 15... Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What city? That city that has the opportunity. To hear, read verse 14. Look at the context of it. When you go in and you tell the truth and they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet. And Jesus said it would be better in the land of Sodom than that crowd that had the opportunity but had indifference, didn't show any concern, didn't show any care. Jesus said that crowd in Sodom is going to be better off than that crowd that had the opportunity to hear and didn't respond by faith. Is that making sense? That's what Jesus said. What does Jesus say to the crowd that that continues to reject and reject and reject? Because listen, here at Faith Community Baptist Church, this has been a beacon that's preached the gospel long before I got here. Continue to preach the gospel today and people have opportunities to respond, to repent of their sin. And I'm sure, no doubt, with a multitude this size here today, there's probably maybe one, maybe more than one that has never been saved. You've heard the gospel, but you've never responded by faith. You've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, but you've remained indifferent. Maybe you say, well, you know what? Maybe one day you're kicking that cat. One day I'll get saved. One day I'll get right with God. One day I'll get serious about the things of God. Well, there'll come a day when that day won't be there. Our life is a vapor that appears for a little time, ain't that what the Bible said? Then it vanishes away just like that fog after that rain. You'll see it for a little bit and then the sun comes up and it just burns it off. The Bible said that's how our life is. Well, how does Jesus respond? Here's the good news. You're listening to me right now. You've still got the opportunity. How, how does Jesus respond to that crowd that's rejected, that's had the opportunity, but rejected, rejected, and rejected? Read on a little bit further. Watch this in Matthew 11. You know this well. Look at verse 28. Here is Jesus' response. He said, Come unto me. Now last week, last week we talked about discipleship. Discipleship, Jesus says, come after me. But this is salvation. Salvation, Jesus doesn't say, come after me. He says, Come unto me. Notice the phrase there in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, he's talking to that crowd. He said, to Bethsaida, woe unto you. He mentions Tyre and Sidon, their description laid out in Ezekiel 26, 27, 28. Their demise and their destruction because they were a pagan and a godless, a corrupt, a wicked society. He talks about that, then He talks about Sodom. That was destroyed in Genesis 19 with fire and brimstone. But then he said, Capernaum, you've had this opportunity. The opportunity has been incredible. They've witnessed the healing of a centurion servant from a distance. Witnessed the healing of that woman with that issue of blood 12 years. That 12-year-old little girl that was raised from the dead. Also on those other, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. We get all that. That fellow that was in the synagogue that had the unclean spirit, Jesus, cast that out. They all, Brother Randy, had opportunity. But you know what they did? They remained indifferent and they remained unmoved. I wonder how many people that have been under the sound of our voice here at Faith Community, Baptist Church and other places, they had the opportunity, Brother Danny, in your ministry all those years you pastored the church. Think about the opportunities that people had. But they left indifferent, unconcerned, and unmoved. Folks, what I'm talking about right now, it will determine heaven or hell for you. Don't be indifferent. Don't cast off. If God has... Dealt with your heart And you've never been saved and you never trusted Christ what, what do I do? Preacher Jesus Is coming to me Oh, He'll give you rest They ain't nothing better Listen, I have issues I have problems Don't think that I don't I have concerns I have worries I know that sin I have friends But man, when I lay my head On my pillow at night I don't have to worry If I, if I don't wake before morning I don't have to speculate I don't have to wonder Where I'm going to go And it ain't based on my goodness It ain't based on my deeds It ain't based Because I'm a preacher It's based on one day I realized I was lost undone without God And I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I believe He died for me I believe He rose again And I put that simple childlike faith I thank God for the opportunity But I'm glad I didn't remain indifferent I'm glad I didn't remain unmoved I called on the name of the Lord And the Lord saved my unworthy soul I'll close with this and Sister Savannah's coming How many of us would go to the doctor? The doctor does some scans, maybe having some physical problems. And and they do these scans, and they come back, and they say, Well, you know what? You've got a tumor that needs to be removed. You're educated. You, you you've got the opportunity. You're you're in front of a doctor, and that's one thing we're blessed with here in the area. I mean, we got good health care. We really I understand it's expensive, I get all that, but we're blessed. There's a lot of places in the country that you gotta drive five and six hours to get to seek good medical care. So we do have good medical practices right here. But let's say you got a diagnosis, you got a tumor. But a doctor says, you know the bad news is you got a tumor, but the good news is this we can go in and we can take that thing out. And, man, everything should be took care of. How many of us are going to say, all right, well, I've got that opportunity, but I believe I'll just wait. I'll just take my chances. I'll wait. None of us would do that. If you had a child, you'd put your child through that surgery. You'd so say, hey, let's get that thing out of there. And as an individual, let's get that thing. Let's, let's don't just remain idle. Let's be proactive. Let's, let's solve the problem. Well, it's even a greater deal when it comes to the spiritual side of things. Jesus promises that he can wash all of our sin away. But don't remain indifferent. Amen. What I'm talking about is a whole lot more important than a tumor that might be in your body. It needs to be removed. All your sin can be removed. And Jesus simply says, come unto me. Now, the title of the message is Opportunity. And indifference. Think about the people in Capernaum that had the opportunity, but they remained indifferent. I wonder how many in here, you got the opportunity right now to have your sins forgiven, your sins washed away, to go to a place called heaven one day. But how many is going to walk out and remain indifferent, unmoved, and unchanged? When you can come unto the Lord Jesus Christ, get your sins washed away today. Boy, what a day that will be as we stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I sure do love you, and Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. Lord, to share your word, God, one more time. I've done my best, Lord, to empty the message of the hour. God, I ask, Lord, for for conviction to fall over this place. There's one here today that's got one more opportunity to get saved. Maybe they've never trusted Christ. God, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, Lord, help them not to remain indifferent. Help them not to stay in that, that unmovable condition. God, would you change lives today? Would you save that precious soul? That's near to hell. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give, and you give us one more right now. God, save that individual. I pray for that one that may not even be t- Maybe they're saved, but they're not uh, really interested in, 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 in your things uh, on a consistent basis. God, would you change that life? Father, we've all got those opportunities. Help us not to be indifferent. We'll thank you, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Even heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world. To equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays We meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life too many folks prepare for vacation they prepare for retirement they seem to prepare for everything but sad to say many make no preparations for eternity the reality is very clear we all will leave this world someday For the bible says in hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 and as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment You must understand that you are guilty before a holy god Romans 3, 23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostle's message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, In verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house.